0: Welcome to the 29th of March CBL Google Hangout, which is CPD accredited, remember. So, anybody who wants a CPD certificate afterwards, send us an email and we will send you a CPD certificate. Remember to sign up to all our YouTube channels and you will be the first to hear about deals and also notifications on your future Google Hangouts. The next thing, podcasts, remember we will be on podcast. So, oh, I can hear someone breathing. Who's breathing heavily? Right, Lionel, there you go, you're off. Right, next we'll be on podcast. So what you need to do is download your podcast, listen to us on your way home and get your CPD points. Sign up to receive emails and remember to click on your singervlcells.com online notifications. So that's the um, introductions. And I'm learning to be very non-visual because we have so many people listening to us on podcasts these days. And today is the 29th of March. We have a great lineup today. Very educational. We have Dale Henry. We have Daniel Elia. We have Doug in Scotland. We have Graham in Scotland. We have guest Lionel Hill. And we have Michael Dean. And we have me. Now, today is was it brexit day it was meant to be brexit day today so i've got we're going to come back to that later i've got something to talk about later now let can i just talk a little bit about our guests today so michael dean here is michael dean michael dean is the co-founder of avimore capital he's the chief executive of blue laurel family office the co-chair of the props breakfast and i was very interested to see michael that you read chemistry at university
1: yeah well, yes, it's not naturally a pathway into property as uh, as you'd expect, but uh, it, it was the, the subject that I enjoyed the most at school and uh, the subject I enjoyed the most at university. So it, well, it was uh, something I well, could is doing.
0: Well, I actually I have a little bit um, of insight for you. It was my best subject at school. Was it really? Yeah, yeah, I was great, and that's what. And again, naturally, naturally led into property. You know. <laughs> Okay, so Lionel Hill. Here we go, Lionel Hill. Lionel Hill is the CTO of Blackstone Real Estate. Is that that's the right description, isn't it?
2: That's right.
0: CTO, previously in Europe. In Europe. in Europe. All right. Well, that's big enough. Previously, Chief Technology Officer or of Emir at CBRE. you have all heard of that agency around the corner, who have, who, have, who, we, who try and compete with us. Prior to that, was the was an MD of Technology Commercial Services at UBS. That's right. A banker and got an MA from Cambridge. Muzzle not Chemistry. Not chemistry. Muzzles off. Very good. Right. Okay. <laughs> Should we talk about the market? I think we'll first of all talk about how – what we normally do, guys, is we talk about what's going on in the market. Then we bring in the guests, have a little chat, questions, et etc. et cetera. Talk about your specialist subjects. So first of all, Dale, I think, is going to run through what's been going on. All
3: right, Dale, over to you. Thank you. Thank you, Neil. Hi, everyone. Um, yeah, just a quick overview of some of the bits and pieces we've been up to since the last Hangout. Um, we, are, we have been making headway in what is some seeing as a difficult market, but you know, Brexit, what Brexit. We've, um, we've managed to sell a number of properties in the last few weeks. Uh, this is one we've just recently sold in Stafford, where we went from marketing to exchange within only 10 days um, and managed to sell this um, at a strong price. Uh, the property had actually failed to sell elsewhere and we got this one away very quickly um, with the party exchanging online via our fixed purchase system. Um, we've also recently sold this new look investment in Wrexham which was bought prior to one of our online auctions by a private investor. Um, not, not the most easy of sales with New Look being in CVA, uh, but we sold this for an institutional client. Um, and what else? We have also um, had, a, had a really um, successful sale here in Northampton on a shop and office investment, which we sold within 48 hours of going to the market. Um, Again, a private investor just um, uh, made an online offer um, within two days, and we exchanged in excess of the asking price. So, a great result on that one. Um, and we're actually finding that um, we're, we're, we're getting plenty of interest in in our current sales. We've we've got a number of um, best offers coming up on on various properties, such as this property in Brighton, which we're selling, which is because is a vacant uh, we're selling with vacant possession, an interesting development opportunity, and um, we've got uh, Daniel here. Is got um, a couple of properties. This bank in Ely, which we've got bids on Monday, online best offers, and we've also got a spec savers in March, which we're closing today. Uh, just, we're, uh, I think we've actually just just um, received online offers on this one in the last few minutes. So plenty happening, plenty happening. Um, In terms of of current sales and stuff we've just brought to the market, we are just in the process of releasing this really interesting London investment in Chislehurst, um, which is a retail and residential investment offering a development opportunity. Chislehurst, really affluent London borough, it's in the high street, we're quoting £950,000. So that is fresh to the market. We have also just launched a highly secure southeast investment, letter W H Smith in the affluent town of Bister, which most people know is famous for the Bister Village, um, and we're asking eight hundred and twenty-five thousand, which shows seven percent. Um, we have got a prime, hundred percent prime investment again, London Borough in Richmond led to the undoubted covenant of EE, with eight and a half years unexpired, where we're quoting 2.7 million, uh, which is 4.5%. In Sutton Coalfield, we've got a freehold bank in the town centre led to Bank of Scotland. The property occupies a substantial site with car parking to the rear. Um, it's a VAT-free investment, and we're asking 950000 which is 8.3%. Um, we Moving on, we've got this industrial investment up in Aberdeen, which is let for a further 15 years with RPI rent reviews um, and um, offers a long-term development opportunity. Uh, we're asking $2.9 million, which is... 9% going to a guarantee 10% next year. Um, moving on, we have this Prime Shop in Windsor, which has let, been let on a new 15 year lease from March last year where we're asking 1.1 million 6%. Um, we also have this Quick Fit Investment in London. So roadside investment right on the North Circular and the Crooked Billet roundabouts. just under 13 years to quick fit again with a longer term development opportunity um, where we're asking 1.395 million um next is this holland and barrett's retail investment up in paisley in scotland let for another six and a half years get highly secure tenants showing an attractive 10 percent and just final few we've got in the market is this um, Argos Investment in Worcester Town Centre, 5A1 Covenant, Town Centre location showing 9%, 2.6 million. Um, Graham and Doug up in Scotland have got this super drug investment in Stornoway. So again, Undoubted covenants. Portsmouth Multilet City Centre Investments. Um, 635,000 quick fit investment in Glasgow showing eight and a half percent. And I think that oh, and finally, Sainsbury's in Paul again, right in the town center, six and three quarter percent, just under five years to Sainsbury's. Um, it's and then just finally on my side, just in terms of new sales coming up, plenty of new sales we've got coming to the market over the next few weeks. We've got a uh, number of retail investments we've got a shoe zone in the West Country, we're going to have a Morrison supermarket showing nine percent. we're going to have a Wilkinson's in the northwest, a long let industrial in the northeast, a pizza Express in the southeast, a fat face unit up in Scotland, and a retail and residential investment development opportunity in the Midlands. So keep
0: an eye out. Thank you, Dale. Who said the market was quiet? I mean, look how many, look how much we've got to say. If you want to buy properties, come to singleviewsales.com. We've got more stock than we can deal with, and more coming. So you know where to come if you want to buy properties, and indeed if you want to sell properties. In fact, this uh, Graham, I must mention something to you, Graham, as you're on. I'd never heard of Stornoway before, but I saw it on the weather map on BBC News uh, this week when they go, you know, Scotland, it's raining, Stormway, it's raining. It's right. No, no, I think it's
4: Stornoway's right. always got a sun over it, is it
0: not? It's right. I, I didn't even oh, know. Ex- no. we've made Stornoway famous because until then I'd never noticed it on BBC News.
4: <laughs> Join Singer Bell, see the world. That's the. That's the. Well, actually, what I was going to say, I mean, just. Just on that, uh, we've got a vacant unit in Clyde Bank that we're still marketing, and I took an inquiry from a chap in Poland yesterday um, who's uh, potentially interested in it. So, um, Poland? Reach, Poland, yep. He's based in Poland, and he's uh, he's wanting to come over and look at the unit in Clyde Bank. So Clyde Bank's away Poland. We get
0: about. Why?
4: Because what? it's an opportunity.
0: Just going to buy it and let it. Amazing amazing yep. you see single of goes where other people can't reach now let's move right so thanks that's the market you know where to come if you want to buy of ourselves did I say we were the best agents in the market right let's talk let's talk tech Lionel is a tech guru and Michael's I would also say is a tech guru all right so I'm feel free anyone watching feel free to shoot a question and anyone wants to join in we've got questions for our guests so Lionel yes sir tell us about your background in tech
2: well um unbelievably uh it's it's a big birthday for me this year so that will make it 30 years that i've been working in technology um, wow left university um i actually got excited by technology in the mid 80s like a lot of kids of my generation with a zx spectrum or with a commodore 64 or stuff like that and people who are under 40 on this call will probably look at that or think about that completely blankly and have no clue what that is, but Google it, check it out. Um, Lots of fun. Um, And I remember getting naught out of 10 on my maths homework because I automated the process of solving quadratic equations with my ZX spectrum. So that was uh, kind of delightful and a disappointment at the same time.
0: Yes, quadratic equations. Yes, Yes, Dale, you're very familiar with quadratic equations, aren't you?
2: Yes, 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 yes. So um so I didn't do chemistry at university, uh, but I did economics and then I did a management course at Cambridge, which you mentioned, Neil, and there one of the assignments that we had, and this was in nineteen ninety, was to come up with a simulation of the traffic system in Cambridge because they wanted to pedestrianise a great big chunk of it. And so with stopwatches and D Base two and a bit of mathematics, we came up with a model and I thought, wow, this is pretty cool. So when I left uh, university the first job that I had was as a programmer making bond calculations for banks oh, right. then I went to Bloomberg and from there I went to Reuters and then the rest is kind of history. wow
0: interesting interesting so that's how I got started okay um can I ask you about uh, Blackstone yes Because it's quite interesting that your role is a new role at Blackstone isn't it
2: yes it's never previously existed
0: so people always think of Blackstone as this Well, I think this is this private equity a bunch of Americans making lots of money. And so it's quite interesting that um, they've decided to get a chief technology officer in. And what's all that about then?
2: So they've always had that function in the U.S. And Blackstone is is obviously a U.S. headquartered firm. Probably two thirds of the business is there, but it's growing massively in Europe. And I think they thought the time was right to start uh, our own technology group in Europe. So um, so it's a, it's a timing thing, it's a growth thing. I think the thing that I'm getting to grips with is uh, Blackstone uh, as it, uh, on its own is a big company, but it's actually really a conglomerate. So it's a mixture of lots of other small companies. And whereas in my previous jobs, it's all been about tying businesses together so that they're more and more tightly integrated. At Blackstone, it's just about optimizing the value of investments. So it's really about how can we bring technologies to the portfolio that are gonna increase the asset values.
0: So is it is it just is it not just properties across all?
2: It's, it's just properties for now, that's and that's that's probably ninety percent of what we do in Europe.
0: Okay, and I, and I wanted to ask you, have you have you you've have you seen a, a shift in attitude um, within the property profession from because I, I sort of see this, um, I my I personally feel that the market or the the industry has gone from. Um, wanting to possibly embrace technology to realizing they have to embrace technology
2: yeah i think that's that's very well summarized you and i first met six years ago i think and um i just come from banking at that point uh and the platform that you've got and the idea that you that you had then that you've developed since then i think at the time nobody really understood what it was um and i think today if you have a conversation with people in property they're probably are much better informed even though there might not be technical people that understand the details but six years ago i, I think um, the conversations that you were having with people were falling largely on deaf ears and that's no longer the case
0: yeah very much so very much so okay let's I'll come back to you in a moment michael let's let's talk about where's my mouse gone hold on there he is there he is there it, michael right tell us about avermore capital please
1: So Admiral Capital is uh, a bridging and development lender, uh, mainly focused on supporting SME property developers, but we also work with a number of commercial property investors as well. Um, And we were formed uh, as a result of uh, two family offices coming together, uh, wanting to to lend uh, against uh, UK real estate uh, and to build a, a lending platform. Uh, and since our inception we've now lent nearly 100 million pounds and uh, we're not just about family offices anymore we're also uh, we're also funded by um some u.s credit funds as well and um, and what that's enabled us to do is to get scale and to be able to lend large sums of money and also uh, lend to lender cheaper rates so that we can access more of the market and um, provide our service uh, to to more to more developers out there um, and um, you know I think we've, we must have funded now uh, the best part of the thousand new dwellings as well so uh, we're doing our bit as well for the for the housing crisis uh, which is a, which is a good thing um, I think as you know the my background before for evermore was as a uh, first of all as a surveyor but then also as, a, as an investor and developer and we would buy commercial units around them 25 and that strategy needed to be through our family office that strategy needed to be, Adjusted a little bit because when PD rights became permanent, the the strategy of buying things without consents and then selling them once we got consents or once we got PD um, and being able to make a margin on them uh, didn't work so, quite so well. So uh, we found that uh, doing secured lending as a family as well has been a, a good place for us to park uh, park cash, and I think we'll continue to do so as well. Um, there's a really nice alignment between what Athermore does and uh, and what the family office. Uh, has a need for as well so um things are things are going reasonably well it's an interesting time in the market um i think a lot of family offices are looking to deploy capital into uh in secure, the secured learning space um and a lot of finding it more difficult than others to do so um it's a very competitive marketplace and you need to know what you're doing you easily run into trouble so we've worked hard to get to where we are and uh the future is looking interesting
0: yeah i was going to i was going to say that um With all these there's lot. do you think the market's ever going to go back to where it's controlled by the the lending market is controlled by the banks because in the last 10 years so many of these secondary lenders if that can i call you a secondary lender you know Uh, i think
1: the i think the term is non-bank lender it's non-bank
0: lender right there's there's a a lot there are so many in the marketplace now yeah um that actually you know used, used to be the big banks and now <clears throat> you wonder if it, if it, I don't know if they're actually that interested anymore anyway I don't know I'm not really in the finance world
1: um I think the simple answer to that Neil is you do have some specialist banks that do what 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 we in, in our part of the market call specialist finance um but you know if, if the traditional guys that you would expect to provide you with development finance say 10 12 years ago um, you're right a lot of the time they're, they're just not interested um you know the the usual the sort of slotting rules and uh, and the capital allocations that these banks have to have um, mean that they tend to shy away from development finance. Also, you know things like development finance uh, require um, they require a, a lot more manpower and effort. And if you if you look at banks, they're looking constantly looking at ways that they can uh, both automate but also make things more efficient. And doing one million or two million pounds development loans isn't isn't efficient for the amount of manpower and time and effort is, that's required for a lot of these banks. So, for you know, using RBSA as an example, um, you, you're probably not going to find them that interested to lend to you to build to build out three or five houses. Whereas, you know, if you were asking them to give to to borrow twenty million or thirty million pounds um, on a revolving credit facility or on a single single site, um, and provided the old the the parameters of LTC LTV are, are appropriate. They'll be they'll be much more keen, and you'll find that the service is much better um, from that side. So, the, from a specialist finance perspective, uh, lots of specialist finance houses have sprung up over the last ten years to meet the market demand. And and because of um, because of the, because of the way that the investment market operates globally, not just within property, but but across all different asset classes, um, secured property lending, even on the development side, offers a, a big uh, yield premium over a lot of other assets. So um, that's actually bringing the cost of capital down for businesses like ours, which means that the pricing is going down. And in some cases, uh, we're actually able to offer a a development finance product for office to residential conversions or converting commercial premises into residential um, at the same price that other banks that operate within the specialist finance uh, market work within. So if you can borrow from a non-bank lender at the same rate as we can from a bank, then why would you, uh, why would you borrow necessarily from the bank, especially if you can get that, uh, get that from a from that that alternative lender much quicker in a more pain-free way?
0: So you don't, um, you're not doing long-term finance, sort of ten years to, you know, spec savers. It's more, it, you're you're more developmental bridging.
1: It, at the moment, and I think a lot of that's driven by the, the capital that we've got available to us. Um, I would say that as our as our capital base grows and diversifies, um, we're talking to uh, some of our funders now about giving us the option of, of providing loans in that um, of a term nature. Um, I think that you know we we're trying to we're trying to sort of be the best at what we can be in, in our particular field, and I think once we've exhausted that that area then I think a very natural area for us to move into would be a you know five to ten year commercial mortgages um, and actually had a meeting on that this morning but we're not quite ready for that but as and when our funders are ready for it then I think we've we've definitely got some some scope but I, I'm, I'm putting out terms at the moment on even on three year uh, three or three year commercial mortgage against a uh, 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 an office building in um, in the southeast and um, so these are things that we are looking at as well um what we, sort of what sort
0: of what sort of LTV are you offering have interest as on the market
1: generally uh, we, we generally are quite conservative with small c when it comes to when it comes to leverage we don't push it too hard so uh, I think the, the max we'd ever go on a commercial mortgage would be say 65 um 65 66 um but we know that there are other people in the market who do who, who do specialize in uh commercial mortgages of you know three five ten years who will go 70 75 ltv um but of course you pay a bit of a premium for that
0: okay right can i go back to lionel i mean do shout questions everyone all right get you do jump in i want to ask um lionel something because it's almost related it does relate to what michael was saying in terms of i wonder it has an effect on his market as well how important, I hate to use the term because I've gone off the term, it's bores me now, but how important is prop tech in our property industry?
2: Well, I guess um, from my perspective, it's obviously very important, but I'm really interested to, to hear what, what was just said there. And I wonder to what extent technology is making these new uh, lending uh, organizations more and more possible and able to operate in a, in a cost effective way. So I think is important from a, an efficiency of running the business point of view. Uh, but I think the kind of the, the holy grail part of PropTech is can you really transform the, the asset value of what you have by making your building or making the service that you offer from within the building technology enabled? And of course, one of the, 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 the kind of the star examples of that in the marketplace, I guess, would be WeWork or the Office Group or one of these kind of flexible office type places which are totally enabled through technology. Uh, and you're getting much higher yields and, uh, and and revenue through that type of office space than if you're lending if you're leasing it traditionally. Of course, because you guys you've invested in the office group. That's right. So do you in there. Yeah. So
0: so will you? But uh, will you be providing a, a technology? Uh, will Blackstone be providing technology help to the office group, for example? Yeah, so Peter,
2: Peter Anderson, who's the CTO of the office group, and I meet every couple of weeks, and uh, and however we can help him, we do. So, yes, it's the short answer.
4: So, excuse my ignorance, Lionel, but how how does technology improve the, the workplace, for example? Give us some examples of how that's... Because that's, tech is this all-encompassing phrase, as Neil said, which uh, I don't really know. I think it's a, an well, overused phrase, but how going forward is technology improving
2: quality, so i, think, for I think you think about it in a, in a number of different ways if you think about it financially first of all you know can you use technology in the workplace to make your building run more efficiently so can you minimize the the amount of utility usage can you improve the air quality in it and all of these things exist there they're actually quite simple and easy to deploy not many people do it because i don't think there's a huge amount of awareness That's one way of doing it. If you look at WeWork or the office group or a flexible uh, leasing kind of organization, being able to kind of uh, manage at a micro level the availabilities of meeting rooms and desks and so on, you have to do that digitally. You can't really do that on a paper-based system. So that kind of uh, tech enablement enables the, the owner or the operator effectively to drive more value out of, out of their space by increasing the utilization. That's a couple of examples.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: So, so effective. So Michael, have you have you actually do you use much back end tech in your lending?
1: Um, at the moment, we're you know, we, we use a number of different softwares and programs um, to you know to, to run the business. Um, I think probably the the prior, priority ones are you know are, are quite are no different to any other business. Uh, uses you know the likes of HubSpot um, as a CRM and um, you know and, and you know, Google Drive and things like that and um, in terms of uh, in terms of actual bolt-on tech we, we we're constantly looking at uh, we're constantly looking at, uh, at potential solutions that can make our lives uh, make our business more efficient um, we've been looking at for example uh, KYC and AML uh, products like smart search um, but when we actually d- dive down into it, um, a lot of the time these products are not necessarily, um, either, they're, not, they're either not cost effective or they're just they, they, they're too broad for what we need them for. Um, and so they're much more designed for, you know, sort of high street bank type operations or someone that does, you know, hundreds, hundreds of transactions a week. Um, you know, whereas, you know, for, for us a busy month would be 10 to 15 transactions a month. Um, because we're obviously operating in a in the sort of a very a very niche specialist lending field, um, I think one of the other things that we've been looking at is and, and is, is to develop an app. Um, it was slightly prematurely announced by one of the the, the, the uh, trade press that we uh, that cover us that we were launching an app last uh, in Q four last year. Uh, which I think was a little bit uh, a little bit early, but it's certainly been a, a, an ambition of ours to launch an app and to make ourselves a, a bit more tech enabled um, to enable uh, b- both our brokers and our borrowers to engage with underwriters to see how cases are progressing. Just so, just so our underwriters, so brokers and and, and borrowers can actually see, uh, you know, operating sort of a traffic light system of all the CPs that they they need to satisfy. So they can see whether, you know, green is that they're, they're done and they're, it's completed and red is not at all and orange, mean, amber means they're, you know, they're, they're partly satisfied but not all the way and they're not quite ready for drawdown. And just something, even something simple like that to give people some idea, also a, a, a forum for people to submit their cases online. Um, you know, we do have an inquiry, online inquiry form, but again, something that, that just gives people a little bit more, uh, a little bit more interactivity with the business. Um, something that can feed through to the analysis team that enables uh, our credit analysis team to um, to be able to evaluate deals quicker, um, like online calculators. So we've got all these things kind of in the in the pipeline, bubbling away. Um, but we're not we're, we're you know we're we're not as tech enabled as I as I would like us to be. But ultimately, you know, we we need our our kind of business. Um, at the end of the day, you can sort of dress it up as much as you like from a tech perspective. But you're still going to need to have a human reading reading loan agreements, reading valuations, reading monitoring surveyors' reports. You know, engaging and meeting with the borrower. You know, we meet every borrower. We, we go and visit every site. You can't, um, you know, you can't, you you can't you you can't automate that yet. Is you know, you that your can...
0: wife? Was that your missus? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: that's it, a, I, yes. Well, that's a yes. Well, that's a yes. It wasn't, but I'll tell him that. It feels like it. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. So yeah, we, as much as we want to make, we want to, and you know, you've known me for a long time, Neil. And you know, you know, I'm very tech kind of. I'm very tech aware, and I'm an investor in, um, in some prop tech businesses. Um, from from my own business, from my own core business, we're still, uh, we're still not where where I would like us to be. But that's because we've been, we've been very focused on building an actual property lending business and i think that we and and making that as good as it can be and then we'll bolt on and we will build in the tech afterwards and i think some of our peers and competitors are a bit too focused on on the tech side of it and not enough on origination and underwriting and providing actually a service that the clients want
0: completely i couldn't agree with you more actually because i find the prop the prop what i think's the problem with this prop our prop tech world is that um, a lot of people are trying to solve problems that don't exist, and um, the truth is, if your business is solid, the tech you right, comes and adds to it. So I, I agree completely. Um, Dale, didn't you want to, you had a question for Michael, didn't you?
3: Well, yeah, Michael, I was just going to ask you on on the bridging side. Just wondered if you. So I, I had a situation a few months ago where we were uh, we sold a property a few months back, and the buyer was obtaining financing between exchange and completion as, as as many do and it was actually an overseas investor based in india and um the indian stock market suddenly crashed took a massive nosedive at the time i mean, think the rupee dropped 15 percent, and this caused our buyer real issues um, and he ended up having a notice to complete served and he, he ended up having to um uh, obtain a commercial bridging loan and I just wondered, just given the market as it is at the moment and, you know, particularly the residential sector, have you have you had to, on, on the bridging side, have you had to come to the rescue of any sort of buyers in distress situations? Or, or so what's your experience of, of the market at the moment?
1: Well, I think first and foremost, the the. the, the the commercial bridging market is very healthy, and I think and, and the residential bridging market is incredibly healthy too. The commercial bridging market also healthy because there's a huge amount of money that's chasing bridging deals at the moment. Um, yes, we have uh, we we have actually come to I, I don't like to use the word rescue, but we, we we provided the solution for a a commercial customer who was a leaseholder and they wanted to buy their freehold premises. Um, this was a, a was a, a sort of licensed a licensed premises, and I think that this customer was making very good money from it. We closed that deal last week. Um, very time sensitive uh, time sensitive purchase, uh, but you know this is a, this is also a customer with really good A the, the operating business had fantastic P and uh, You know, good balance sheet, and was an existing customer of um, of NatWest and there's no real reason why NatWest shouldn't have been there for them, but actually the actually sometimes be, sometimes uh, customers, because they really want to buy the property, will go with bridging because they they feel with the bridging lender, the bridging lender will get it done for them, and they, they'll be able to buy, buy the property, and they don't mind spending a little bit extra in interest fees and uh, professional uh, costs, just because the, the, the opportunity is too important for them, and they're taking that five, 10, 15 year view And if they miss out on this opportunity, they might not get the chance to buy that property again for, you know, I I don't want to use the word generation, but for a long time. And so, um, it's not uncommon. We do see it quite frequently, Um, and you know, and and we've we've got our own experience of it uh, that I can draw on, even just from last week.
2: Hmm. I just want to challenge something that um, Neil, you said just uh, just before that last question, which is. You know, I think obviously it's somewhat true that if you build a solid business and then you have technology to streamline it and make it more efficient, that that's a a good thing. Um, But I think there are lots of other parallel industries where a technological idea has come in and completely disrupted the business. The classic is obviously, you know, Blockbuster Video. We all used to be clients of Blockbuster Video, but now we all use Netflix. So that's a great example of how switching Uh, The way that you consume a particular type of product through something that's been developed by technology has completely disrupted uh, a business. I guess the question would be, what are the parallels in in real estate Uh, and when are they coming? But uh, but I think it is a question of when and not if. And I think if you think about how uh, investors consume real estate investment and occupiers consume real estate occupation, and at some point, that whole kind of flexibility of use and that flexibility of being able to invest quickly in and out and make the market more liquid is going to be something that's going to be created by some tech-enabled event, I think.
0: Okay. Okay. Good. Okay. Well, I, I want to, and there's one other thing I wanted to ask you, Lionel, because I know you're into this. What is your view on data? All right. The what is the role of data?
4: Yeah. Well, I
0: went. To, I, you and I went to a prop tech thing a few months back and the word data was mentioned more times than I could think
2: data 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 <laughs> and you've had hot dinners Data um, data's at the core of all of this because essentially any technology is about the manipulation of data and either transforming it or making it go from a to B very quickly or, or something like that so I think um, in any property business or any financing business the attention that you have to uh, take to, to managing and organizing your data is, is paramount. And I think very few property companies think that way. I think they think very much traditionally about uh, experience and information being either in people's heads or uh, data being a brochure or a flyer or even a website, but it's actually way, way more than that. And I think um, paying attention to data as a topic is, is crucial.
0: Well, and interesting enough, we as a business we started data capturing, if that's the way to describe it, um, from two thousand and six onwards. And we started. We actually then we were fortunate to be an early, and we learned about the importance of data capturing in terms of accessing your um, buying audience. And that actually, I think, is what gave us our USP as a business. And we sort of took it on from there. Okay, so that's data, right, guys? Anyone else? Anyone wants to talk about? Anything particular? Oh, I'm going to ask, Michael, one other thing I want to talk to you about, because as you're on, one of your favourite topics, props. For people who don't know, I thought it would be nice for you to tell them what props is. you
1: know, very grateful for the opportunity to talk about props. i um, been involved in in the props, which is uh, a, a, the property arm of Variety, the children's charity. Um, as many as many of you will, will be uh, familiar with, Things like the Royal Variety Performance but it's ultimately which was a uh, an event which uh, was organized by Variety the children's charity which actually is originally an American charity but uh, it has very deep roots in the UK and um, you'll also be very familiar as well with um, some of you will be anyway with the 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 Sunshine Coaches Um, but the the main aim of of Variety is is to support children with disabilities and um, particularly providing uh, specialist wheelchairs for uh, for children who who need them. Uh, the, the the wheelchairs that are that are provided normally cost about three and a half thousand to four thousand pounds. Um, many families just can't afford that kind of uh, that kind of expense. Um, I personally have a, a close personal relative who uh, has suffered with uh, MS since being a young uh, a young adult. and uh, fortunately our family has uh, has had the means to be able to support her and provide her with a motorized wheelchair. And a modified uh, van so she can get around. But um, ultimately, you know, my sister is very much in the minority, and the majority of of, of people and families do not have the sort of money that's required to um, to to provide these things. But it's not obviously just about wheelchairs. It's also about uh, it's also about sunshine coaches. It's also about um it, it's about the um everything that variety does and it and it's not but variety also has some really exciting success stories and actually as a sports fan uh when i see people that we've impacted directly um being selected for team gb in the paralympics um that's a really positive thing so it's uh you know there's some really nice positive stories that come out of uh, out of variety as well now the props uh the props is the prop the effectively the uk commercial property arm of a variety and the props raises money from uh, the, the residential commercial property industry uh, mainly through two main events uh, which are uh, the props lunch and the props breakfast and between them the props lunch and the props breakfast have raised over 10 million pounds since about 1992-1993 uh, we've got our next lunch coming up in on the 14th of may It's a tuesday it's a, it's a really fantastic event neil um i think you were there last year and um, it's yep. going to be about 700 to 750 people from uh, you know top people from uh, the property industry who are going to be in attendance and this year we're going to be honoring uh, the great uh, david pearl um who who for many of you will know of pearl and coots instructor dean uh, a great investor uh, investor but also uh, agent as well who uh, who who's had a very long career starting in the 60s buying up uh, bits of Soho and uh, not really letting go of much of it and, and building up, building up. I think um, even though he may, like everyone, encountered some tricky times in the last crisis, he's come out of it really well um, and so we're really delighted to honor him uh, at the event. But we, we've also got another 13 awards that we're going to be giving out to people, including a PropTech award for the second, second year running, um, also a, a commercial agent of the year, development of the year, uh, lender of the year as well. Um, so it's it's going to be a really good event, um, and, and there's always some good networking afterwards as well. Um, but most importantly, we're going to raise uh, lots of money for uh, for Variety, and uh, I'm hoping we're going to raise uh, three hundred and fifty thousand or four hundred thousand this year, um, and uh, surpass what we what we raised at last year's event. And then we have the breakfast, which is a slightly younger crowd, and that's in November. I think that's going to be around the sort of seventh, eighth, ninth of November. Um, that's that's about to be confirmed, and that's going to be at the Dorchester. The, uh, the lunches at the Parklane Hilton. Um, the food is always really good as well. Um, so, and uh, we've also got some surprises uh, up our sleeves. We we may, we may have uh, an entertainer there that uh, may have some resemblance to uh, to Donald Trump. So that could be uh, could be some fun too. So we're looking forward to that. And and it's as always. It's compared by Martin Bayfield, who's the uh, uh, the ex Northampton and England uh, lock, uh, who's uh, who's very very funny uh, and you don't uh want
0: to get, yeah you don't want to worked. become the, the wrong side of martin he's um
1: no, you don't. yeah so he's, he's 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 worth going just uh just for his uh just for his comparing so yeah uh if uh, if you if you've not already booked tickets uh please sign up and if you want uh details um uh perhaps nearer you can uh you, you can provide a link in the show notes or, or give or direct people yeah to me.
0: i think what yeah what we'll do if anybody wants to uh, get introduced to michael specifically but i think that's a good idea we'll 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 actually do a link to um, the props website. And if they want to talk to you um, directly, I'll put them in touch. Great. It is a good is anyone watching. It's a great lunch, actually. I have to say it's a great lunch. Everyone uh, is there. And if so, David Pearl's being honored. So I've probably got 30 years to go then. What do you reckon? 30 years? Right, news. We've got 15 minutes left. News, 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 news. Okay, so I let I've got what is the big news of the day, guys?
1: Brexit. Well, is Debenham, isn't
2: Brexit.
0: It? Brexit. Brexit. Debenham's. Brexit. Anyone? No. Right. Okay. Well, I. Brexit. news. In- independent group. Oh, uh, I loved it. Oh, I love.
3: I love. I, loved, I loved the independent
1: group. What? They're now called Change UK. That's what they that's yeah. what They're applying. When did they do that? They, they, they've applied to be a political party. This morning, yeah, they've, they've applied under the name Change UK. OK, well, I've got my vote. Because I'm sick of the rest of them. Anyway,
0: on on to a Brexit. As it is Brexit, I thought we'd have a little bit of fun towards the end of our hangout. All counts towards CPD. So I, this, I've got a little Brexit quiz. And I thought what I would do is give... I'm going to give you some quotes from well-known politicians... And it's fingers on buzzers, all right? Fingers on buzzers, everyone. And we, you've got to shout out, and we're going to see who's, who's, who's the most knowledgeable at the end of it. All right? So the, I've got about half a dozen quotes. And you have to guess, shout out, who this is from. All right? So the first quote, who said, I've been very clear that Brexit means Brexit? Theresa May. Perfect. Lionel Hill, that's why I went to Cambridge. She did also actually say, "My whole philosophy is about doing, not talking." Um, but I'm not. But we're waiting to see about that. Well, I do. Although I do feel sorry for her, actually. So one nil to Lionel Hill. Right. Who said this? Who said this? I made no pretense to be a modern man at all ever. Boris Johnson. No. Jacob Rees-Mogg. Yeah. Neil Singer. Jacob. Excuse me. <laughs> Excuse me. Jacob Rees-Mogg. Why does he always take his son with him everywhere he goes? Have you noticed? Whenever he goes I mean, to a press conference, he comes out with his son in the car. It's,
2: the same as well. it's, it's just weird, isn't it? There's a, there's a great picture of the two of them dressed exactly the same. And I don't know if you remember um, the, the tallest man ever in the world it was an American guy called Robert Pershing Wadlow. And he stands next to... A normal-sized guy, and it looks exactly like when Jacob Rees-Mogg stands next to it. His-
0: <laughs> yes. Okay. Right. It's one. Look. It's one-one from the clever guys. Right. Okay. Here's a good one. Here's. Come on. Come on. Get your thinking caps on, Daniel. You've been very quiet here, Doug. Very quiet. Who said you learn by your mistakes? Wait, which
3: uh, Diana? Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: yes Dale Henry well done and she then went on to say if you remember asked about how many how much um, it would cost to have 10,000 police officers she did say famously on air just before the election, 300,000 pounds so Diana but can you imagine Diana but being our home secretary oh dear I anyway right here's a good one who said this life is life some of the wisest people you meet are sweeping our streets. Shall I say that again? Life is life. Some of the wisest people you meet are sweeping our streets. Oh, it's Jeremy Corbyn, I think. It is Jeremy Corbyn. So there's no danger of him sweeping your sweet streets, is there? Nice one, Dane. Nice one, Michael. Does Michael look very political? And he also said, what... Jeremy Corbyn also actually then said, I think there's good in everybody. Interesting, considering some of his friends. Anyway, that's Jeremy Corbyn. Who said Brexit will happen?
3: No, think,
0: think. Come on. Come on. It's Brexit day. It's 29th of March. It's Brexit day. Well, Nigel who Farage. Said, David, yeah. Who, who said Nigel Farage? Was that Lionel? Yeah, this Scotland, you're not doing very well, are you? Right. Nigel Farage. That's Lionel. Okay. We said, to go, I think he's going to spend some money. And last one in our, in our almost Brexit quiz is this, who said this, I'd like to apologize to the British people for the state of our politics. I'll give you a clue. It has something to do with the um, independent group.
2: Oh, Chukramuna. No. Anna Subri.
0: Yes. Yeah, Anna Subri. Anna Subri. Look at that. So Lionel's the winner. One, two, three, two, one. Daniel?
4: Is there a prize? Are you going to get a prize?
0: Well, if there was, I'm afraid you're not getting it. But anyway. So th- I, I thought it was quite interesting. Has anything happened today are we in out sideways i don't know i think it's a effect- i mean it's just it's affecting our market isn't it it's so depressing it's in- so embarrassing the whole thing
2: we're simultaneously in and out it's a schrodinger's brexit
0: yeah what yeah what's a Brit pr- probe not
2: Brit. i don't know
0: i don't know all i know is i'm, I'm worn out by it interestingly enough it has It hasn't affected our side of the market that much. Um, I'm told that the higher-end institutional market is very quiet, but the private investor market where we tend to specialise, I have to say, we haven't really seen much of a change. And we have procured some extremely strong bids on properties that we've been selling very up to today even. So I don't know whether people have a feeling that they're just sort of tired of it moving on or they think there's a bounce coming i don't know but i have to say we've procured some pretty good offers recently
2: are you getting more more interest from overseas because the pound is kind of at a low level at the moment i think pers- i don't know what
0: you guys i don't know daniel or, or doug i don't know what you guys think I, I i personally think that's a bit of a fallacy i mean we get about 25 percent of our traffic comes from abroad but most of the bars are still in the uk um however We are offering a property at the moment in Richmond, and we have had an offer in the last few days from one bloke from Turkey and another guy from Hong Kong um, who's just relocated here. I've got no idea how either of them found us, other than the fact that we've obviously got good online visibility. So there's perhaps an example for you. But uh,
4: We also had someone from uh, Kenya calling about it yesterday. Did we? Yep.
0: What okay, what Richmond, yeah, it's on the schedule. Okay, so there you are, you see. So we actually do get international, do people do get people coming that
2: plus the Polish investment in Clyde Bank? (laughs) Yes,
0: yes, yes. Maybe people think the pound is is low, I don't know because I I mean, I could be that the pound is just at its net at its now real level, you know, who knows? Because you thought that if it if we do crash out well actually someone told me that if we that the markets had already built in to the value of the pound the assumption that we were going to crash out with no deal but i'm not in the currency markets so i can't tell you but we haven't really seen a difference to be honest with you so that so um have you, i don't know if you guys have you seen it a change in the lending market at all from
1: uh, i i actually because we have funding the development of a number of residential schemes so you know we've actually got you know we've got you know anecdotal evidence of sales and that there is there is still a market for sales um, you know you know the things are selling um, you know new I, but we, we are hearing also though that's from some of our peers that new originations are um, you know are, are a bit softer at the moment I think you know developers are maybe not buying as aggressively as they have been um but you know there's still huge amounts of money that's out there neil that wants to that wants to be put to work um and there's, i think a lot of people are nervous or concerned that if they they think that now maybe is a good time to buy because actually when the certainty arrives there's going to be a bit of a bounce and, and there's going to be a lot of activity and that people don't want to miss out on the opportunity so um we're you know we're you know we're busier than we've ever been um we know lots of other lots of our peers are in the same way i think if you're a you know, if you're doing a billion or two billion pounds worth of lending every year, you're you might be seeing things a little bit softer, um, because you've got that you're at that sort of plateau stage in your in your in your organisation in your development. But um, there's definitely there's there's definitely activity in the market. There's definitely a market. Um, you know, I think as as always, it's it's very much driven by. Um, price point and, and product. And um, I know I mentioned, I heard Dale mentioning Chislehurst. We've got a, a development of two luxury homes in Chislehurst. Um, you know, but the price point of those is 1.8, 1.9 million. You would think, you know, generally speaking, that kind of market's, you know, in the doldrums. But um, the developer's only just PC and he's already sold one of them and he's beating people off for the second house, which he's going to spend another two months um, finishing off. Um, he's beating people off because he wants to hold out for a higher price, and he thinks he might even get two million for the other one. So it just goes to show that for the right products in the right location, demand is the demand is there. Um, you know, I think if it's if it's the opposite in this kind of market, you're not, you know, you're you you know, you're you're not going to get away with it though. Because
0: I read the Sunday paper. I don't know if you saw it. Was saying that the I, I saw you and Mipham, of course, that the mood in Mipham was down. That's what the papers reported. I didn't see that. Did you see that?
1: I didn't get that feeling. I, I didn't. I didn't really get that sense. I, I, what I would say is, I bumped. when I bumped into one of my fellow uh, props committee members on La Croisette. Asked him how it was. And he said he felt what he felt was that there were fewer kind of institutional principles there. I think in that in our in in our market in our space and perhaps your space is not too dissimilar. I guess what you would call the entrepreneurial SME space um i think the market's much more active but i think if you're if you're in that kind of big ticket uh big ticket investment um institutional space maybe it's a bit different
0: yeah so this was this was mipim um and like i said this is the london stand we i we found it very good actually being based at the london stand and um you know i i actually thought it was a pretty good event actually yeah so um oh look who's there <laughs> Well, there's a coincidence, isn't it? There's. A, I wasn't expecting that. Anyway, it's been. Um, I thought it was actually pretty good mipping. And in fact, um, I think we met some very interesting people. Okay, guys, five minutes to go. Any last minute
2: thoughts, or we wrap up for um, another just, C.P.D. Go on, just Doug. An, just an anecdotal one, just from Scotland as well. That um, uh, private investor market. I certainly had a feeling that um a lot of people have been coming out of equities in the last three six months sitting on some cash because and like really like the idea of property so um but it has to be kind of long lease you know eight years plus plus. Um, but they really like the solidity and attraction of that relative to what they have seen and has been quite a volatile equities market all in the sort of run up to brexit so um requirements out there are unsatisfied so um our focus is to get some sales out to to meet these requirements
0: Yeah, I I mean, again, I agree. I think if you've got the stock, there are buyers. That's definitely what we're finding. Definitely. Yeah, I think
2: a lot of other advisors out there have maybe been asking people to hold off and don't put it on the market just now because of a fear that they wouldn't get pricing. Um, So I think it'd be interesting to see if there is a post-Brexit bounce.
0: Well, let's hope hope something happens. Okay, guys, well, look, two o'clock. Thank you very much, everyone, for getting involved um lionel it's been a pleasure as always to see you as always to see you and michael um thank you very much for finding time to talk to everybody and i will Uh, we will circulate this link to properties i think it's a great idea actually it's a great idea um so thank you both very much for joining us doug thank you very much um for scott we haven't really introduced daniel actually Daniel's new to the team actually and is already doing his first deals so if you want some Younger energy on your property sales. D- uh, Daniel's your man, and Doug is—he's um, still getting energy, although he's a bit older. So, and, that, and and that's Dale Henry. So, everyone, thank you very much for joining the Hangouts. Um, and the next one's in about three or four weeks, isn't it? Three weeks? Three weeks? Four weeks? All about PR. So, the next one's all about PR. So, thank you very much. Okay. So, have a good day.